horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. Hope you had a great one. Hope you're getting ready for a year full of winners. We here at Winning Ponies are going to try to uh, keep you up to date on what's happening in racing and hopefully for the final segment of the show, put you on some winners every weekend. Uh, with me today, handicapping, will be Mike Penna. That's right. You hear him on Horse Racing Radio. Uh, Mike, an outstanding handicapper and all-around good guy in racing, uh, will be on with us at the bottom of the hour. Uh, before that, we're going to have one of racing's newest Eclipse Award winners with us, uh, Jenny Reese. Uh, Jenny uh, wrote uh, just a sensational story called Jockeys Reign in Their Emotions. Uh, the story won the Eclipse for the Media Award. What's great about this is, and we'll tell you later in the show, is uh, when you go and read this story with just some fantastic statements by the country's top riders, uh, there's also a roundtable video with uh, some of the top riders in the country uh, explaining what you don't get to see after they walk back in the jocks room and how they handle their emotions uh, after a sport that is literally uh, death-defying in, in in many cases. Um, well, let's start off with the, the biggest news of the day, and that is going to be the horses that are up for championship honors. Uh, it's a combination of the National Thoroughbred Racing Association, uh, the Daily Racing Forum, and the National Turf Riders and Broadcasters. Uh, today they announced their finalist for the 2011 Eclipse Awards, of course, this is the top in thoroughbred racing in, in many categories. Uh, let's take a look now. The Eclipse Award finalists. Matt, can you give me a drum roll? Uh, two-year-old male, Creative Cause, a horse we're going to talk about later in the show because Creative Cause is back to the races already. Uh, then you've got the Almost White Hanson and, of course, the East Coast Sensation Union Rags. That's two-year-old male. Two-year-old filly, Grace Hall, the undefeated My Miss Aurelia, who I think will probably be a lock, and Stephanie's Kitten. Three-year-old male, this is going to be very, very interesting. The three final contenders are Animal Kingdom, Caleb's Posse, and Shackleford. Three-year-old filly, well, we saw these horses match strides all year, though. I think the last one's going to have the edge. It's tricky, plum pretty, and Royal Delta. Look forward to, I believe, all three of these coming back uh, as as four-year-olds. Uh, older male, acclamation, game on, dude, and tisway. Older female, awesome Maria, blind luck, and another one that I think is going to have the edge, Arve de Grasse, depending on how you like to pronounce that horse's name. Male sprinter, Amazombie, Caleb's Posse makes another category, and Regally Ready. Uh, female sprinter, Hilda's Passion, Musical Romance, and Sassy Image. Let's get on the grass right now. Acclamation, Cape Blanco, the Irish bread that I just thought was sensational, and St. Nicholas Abbey, who won on Breeders' Cup Day. Female turf horses, Dubai Heights, Perfect Sherl, and Stacey Alita. 
Not sure how many of you follow Steeplechase Game, but Blackjack Blues, Decoy Daddy, and Tax Ruling are the, the tops nominated there. As far as ownership, Midwest Thoroughbreds, Kenneth and Sarah Ramsey, and Team Valor will be the trifecta there. As far as breeders, former governor of Kentucky, Brereton C. Jones, uh, Ken and Sarah Ramsey in another category, and Adina Springs. Trainers, well, no surprise here. These names just seem to come up every year, and they certainly uh, give the right reason to be there. Uh, you're going to see uh, Bob Baffert, Bill Mott, and Todd Pletcher going on the ballot in the voting booth. For jockeys, another close one. Xavier Castellano, Ramon Dominguez, and John Velasquez. As far as apprentice jockeys are concerned, Ryan Curatolo, Kyle Frey, and Rosario Montanez. So there you go. Those are the uh, the top uh, categories and the Eclipse Award uh, nominees. And uh, speaking of Eclipse Award nominees, there's one that wasn't on the list but is going to have a special Eclipse Award for something that he did yesterday, Rapid Redo. That's right. We talk about him a lot here on WinningPonies.com. He's the blue-collar horse that everybody loves. Uh, Rapid Redo took win number 22 yesterday. They thought he might not start with a little bit of a uh, a hoof injury, but uh, nonetheless, uh, they tested him in the morning and said, he's just fine, let's just go. Uh, As you know, he did... become eligible for this Eclipse Award when he won 19 races in 2011. That tied citations, modern-day mark, in the United States for victories in a single season. But now with uh, 22 consecutive, uh, he has passed uh, both Pepper's Pride and Zenyatta. But I think it's really good that he's going to be recognized. Obviously not racing in in graded uh, company, but nonetheless, to put together 22 wins at any level is great. Uh, It's going to be a uh, special award that's going to go to him. And uh, I'm really happy that they, they've gone out of their way to make sure that uh, that he gets the recognition uh, that I believe that, that he is due. Well, uh, we uh, had another Winning Ponies guest get honors. And uh, I think it was about three weeks ago we had my friend Bob Fortas on from the fairgrounds. Well, Fortas is to enter the fairgrounds press box Hall of Fame. Uh, looking forward to that, uh, Bob, uh, just one of the coolest guys you'll ever meet. Uh, he was born in St. Louis, but pretty much has uh, been living in New Orleans for over over three decades. Uh, it's been a while since they reinstituted uh, the Press Box Hall of Fame. I remember when I worked there uh, 24 years ago, you'd go down there and see all the black and white photos. And when the last one up was the, the man that uh, I uh, I can't say I replaced because nobody could replace him, Black Cat Lacombe. And uh, Bob says it's just a real honor to be on uh, a list that would uh, include one of his favorite people all time, Alan Black Cat Lacombe. So congratulations to Bob Fortas. Uh, didn't have any idea that he was going to be honored, but uh, really, really happy for him. Uh, now on some some news that, uh, that uh, we... 
we don't we don't like to hear. And again, later in the show when we talk to Jenny Reese, we're going to talk about jockeys and the the, the danger that they they face uh, every day when they go out there. Uh, she wasn't really well known, but an amazing hard worker. Uh, she'd race in the Midwest, Kentucky, Ohio circuit. Usually show up with horses from training centers, so you know she was getting up in the mornings and and working hard with these horses. Her, her name, uh, Bonnie Castaneda. Uh, she had a serious uh, spill at uh, Turfway Park on Sunday and uh, went down and hit her head. She had been in a coma, but uh, just today uh, from our friend Ray Pollock, who was on winningponies.com a week ago, uh, there was an update posted by Castanet's daughter that said that uh, she is uh, definitely uh, getting better and actually um, looks like she's coming out of the the coma. Uh, They took her off the breathing machine. She's breathing on her own. Uh, it's still kind of difficult because of uh, broken ribs. She damaged the uh, T4 and T4-5 vertebrae. Uh, she's going to have surgery tomorrow. So uh, prayers going out to uh, Bonnie Castaneda uh, from all of the, the, the fans of uh, race riders. Uh, a former race rider turned trainer uh, that was no longer with us is Mitch Sharoda. Mitch Sharoda passed away. He was 78. He's been retired from training for a couple of years, but uh, people around Churchill Downs will certainly remember him. He, he was, uh, he was uh, quite a character. He was one of the guys that was able to, uh, to uh, change his riding skills over to training skills. Um, he had a 15-year run as a jockey that began in 1958. At Agua Caliente in Tijuana, Mexico, uh, but he eventually became a, a trainer on the uh, Midwest Circuit, and eventually uh, ended up winning graded stakes races. Had some uh, pretty good horses. Um, he started in 1977, but he will be missed by many. Uh, was uh, very well liked, and anybody that's ever read the Indian Charlie pages will know that he often had a great time uh, taking a shot at Mitch Sharota. So he, he, he took it well, and I think he was one of the guys that came up with the cha-ching uh, cheer after a race. So uh, Mitch Sharota will be missed. And on the East Coast, uh, Rick Lang who was uh, a well-known handicapper. He, uh, he passed away at the age of, uh, of 62. He was the lead handicapper for the New York Post in the 90s. Uh, he passed away on Sunday. Uh, he graduated from the University of Miami, went to work for trainer Arnold Winnick, and uh, worked at racetracks in the Northeast in some capacity for more than 30 years. Uh, Rick Lang worked as a chart caller for the Daily Racing Forum in the 80s. Uh, at Monmouth Park, he hosted the popular weekend handicapping seminar. And for several summers, uh, Lang was the co-host of AM Saratoga, a weekend show uh, during the Saratoga meet produced by New York City Off-Track Betting. So uh, we will uh, definitely uh, miss both Mitch Sharada and Rick Lang and send out best wishes to Bonnie Castaneda. Uh, last week I was lucky enough to have uh, Jay Privman on the show and uh, we went over the uh, top races uh, that we could find from coast to coast and uh, let's go back and take a look and um, see how we did. In one race we did fairly well, but the biggest upset of the weekend had to be the La Brea, the grade one seven furlong race where turbulent descent was hoping to make up for her defeat in the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint where she ran fifth after being bet down to the favorite. Uh, both Jay and I felt that this was her race to lose and that uh, the trainer was taking a shot at maybe getting in on just under the wire for a- Eclipse. 
uh, consideration with turbulent descent. Everybody pretty much left uh, scratching their head uh, after this one. There wasn't any real excuse, uh, and uh, so Turbulent Descent did not get the job done, but Teddy's Promise did, uh, breaking from the outside. Uh, Teddy's Promise got up and paid $35 to win. It was two and a quarter ahead of Sugar in the Morning, a Ron McAnally trainee who's a Calbred, uh, and then the third spot was uh, Great Hot with Chantel Sutherland in the saddle. Uh, from the La Brea, we went to the race just previous to that on the Santa Anita card, and that was the Eddie Logan. Uh, the Eddie Logan, this is, again, one of these chances that we're going to have um, to take a look at uh, horses that will be turning three, and uh, these horses ran on the grass a flat mile. The winner in here, Chips All In, another long shot winner, 25 to 1. This horse had just gone to the uh, Jeff Mullins barn. Uh, Chips All In was uh, previously undefeated until its race just before this, the Golden Nugget, where it just came up a head short. Obviously, people thinking that the uh, races from uh, Golden Gate weren't very strong and let this one get a go, paid 25-20. Uh, second was number one, Sheer Talent, who was sent away at 8-1. to one. And third was Stony Fleece. Uh, the, the favorite in here at odds on was Daddy Nose, N-O-S-E, best with Julian Le Peru up, Steve Asmussen trainee, but did not fire, so Daddy's Nose Best ended up running fifth in that race. Then we went to uh, to Florida, and uh, the uh, the Mister Prospector, uh, Grade Three race, going six furlongs down on the rail. A priority got the job done. We said that this colt was the horse for course, and certainly was. Is now undefeated in three starts at Gulfstream Park. Uh, this, this horse uh, got up in a three-horse photo finish, finishing second with the two zero-rate policy. Zero-rate policy just a nose ahead of number four, Indiana. Indiana was the slightest favorite over at Priority. Uh, from there, we stayed in Florida and went to the first derby of the year, and that being the Gulfstream Park Derby. And uh, here's where uh, Jay and I uh, kind of hooked up pretty well. Yeah, he was hot on a horse called Reveron, and Reveron came home to pay $19.840 and four sixty. dollars uh, A horse who was really just kind of blossoming into his own. Uh, these horses were three-year-olds, a lightly raced three-year-old, but Reveron got the job done. There were two horses I liked. That was Casual Trick with Johnny V up, a Nick Zito trainee, and King Kid. They came in behind Reveron. Trifecta paying $223.90. So uh, the Gulfstream Park Derby in the books. I know uh, Nick Zito is very happy about his runner-up there, a casual trick. He thinks he's got a horse that's uh, going to be around for a while. So we'll keep an eye out and see if Mr. Zito's right. Um, then we uh, went out on the West Coast, a race that we didn't handicap, but that we, uh, we did... Uh, find very interesting, and that was a horse by the name of Ms. Direction who won the Monrovia. 
the grade three Monrovia. And what was interesting about this horse was that uh, it's owned by Jim Rome. Garrett Gomez rode Jim Rome, uh, the radio broadcaster, just uh, totally elated uh, with the success of Misdirection. It's great having a guy uh, of, you know, his... Uh, the uh, fact that he's on the airwaves talking about racing. And uh, so Jim Rome, a graded stakes winner, I think he's going to be good for the game, and I hope Misdirection just keeps on winning races all year long. So uh, that was a look at the, uh, the main uh, na- national scene. Uh, we're going to try to take uh, a brief uh, look at some tracks that are doing pretty well right now. I remember it was uh, just uh, last week we were, were talking about uh, the success out on the west coast of um, of racing there at Hollywood Park, and now we're seeing that uh, there's several other tracks that are doing uh, pretty well. Uh, Turfway Park recently uh, closed out their uh, winter meet, and um, Things were looking good there. Uh, they were talking about it was only 20 days of live racing, but according to on-track play, uh, the races rose 12.3% from last year. Handle from all sources was up 13%. So we're all happy to uh, to hear that when when racing's going going well. Um, and then uh, we got a report that Charlestown set handle records in 2011. Uh, gross all sources uh, was uh, was up from 2010, so Charlestown doing well. And then the handle averages at Golden Gate were also up. So uh, good to uh, good to see that uh, racing might be swinging in the right direction. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to try to take a little break here. Hopefully, we can get our friend Jenny Reese on the telephone and talk about her Eclipse Award-winning article as horses try to rein it in. We'll be back in just a few minutes here on WinningPonies.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Pascal, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about? Either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go. You're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. 
Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and joining me now, one of the latest Eclipse Award winners here in the United States, uh, one of my uh, favorite people in the world and one of my favorite people to read, Jenny Reese. Jenny, I understand that your, your husband, Pat Dupi is trying to expand the mantle in your living room. <laughs> That's right. He takes credit for everything that I, uh, that I might accomplish since I was just a... Uh, a claimer when he met me, and he moved me up to Stakes Company. So, uh, yeah, he he, and I. But, and it's true, as you know, he is a, a trainer and a, a very small trainer, a very hands-on trainer, and I've certainly have learned a lot being around the barn. Uh, a big edge for you. Well, uh, Breeders' Cup 2011 uh, gets you an eclipse for Jackie's reign and their emotions, but this is a, a Eclipse Award one, two, three, and kind of three and a half. Three and change. Three and yeah. change. Yeah. Three years ago, the Courier Journal won for multi uh, internet multimedia for a project we did on um, why horses are susceptible to injuries and what all is being done about it, and I was. Um, the principal in that, and I like to take credit for that one as well. Not, I mean, I had certainly had a lot of support on that, but my boss and I did spend a lot of time on on days off working on that one. So, uh, yeah, it's great for the paper. I gotta say, in this day and age, um, it's just great working for a newspaper, a mainstream newspaper that that takes horse racing seriously and wants to devote some time and um, resources to doing, you know. Enterprise stories like this. Well, uh, you, you, your story, uh, Jackie's reign in their emotions. I want to urge all of our listeners uh, to, to to go there. And at, at the at the bottom of this piece, make sure you tell everybody how to get to the Courier Journal because they can get it. Because in addition to your story, there's also a really really good video there. And you know, I, I just to get kind of paint the picture of where this story's going. I was telling Jenny it was a couple years ago, and uh, Doug Pelfrey was a kicker for the Cincinnati Bengals, and he, he was out at the racetrack. And I forget if he was doing a community service spot or something like that. And, and he watched the jockeys after a race, and a couple of them were John, and they walked back into the jockeys' room, and he just shook his head. He says, you got to be kidding me. He said, uh, you know what it, would, what it would be like if the Bengals and the Steelers walked into the same locker room at halftime? He said, all hell would break loose. And, and I guess that's, that's kind of the, the, the theme to this story is how – jockeys are able to rein in their emotions and how they deal with it. I thought it was kind of neat what you learn about the story, kind of like almost the pecking order and then what some of the uh, the rules, if the I rules, say, yeah, The unwritten rules, yeah. But not everybody's gotten the message about the rule, unwritten rules. Yeah, you know, obviously this started because of the fisticuffs that happened after the Breeders' Cup Marathon in 2010 where two of the true gentlemen of the sport, Calvin Morrell, um, Javier Castellan got into it, and um, it was just so out of character that I got to thinking about thinking, you know, these guys have to go in the jock street. And originally, it was going to be more just the color thing on, um, you know, sort of the, the, you know, the dynamics of the uh, unique dynamics of the jock room. And actually, originally, we were going to have a male reporter or a columnist do it because we thought, well, I'll have somebody go in the jock room, and it wasn't going to be me. And um, 
And right, and Rick Bovich, our columnist, did do a companion piece. He spent an afternoon in the jocks room, and we got some really great photos too um, of the the jocks. Then uh, all all family rated, and um, but but then I was getting such good material just talking about you know you go out there the the competition and the the danger where just a split second or a fraction of an inch is a difference between you know race riding and a great ride and careless writing and disaster, and how do they deal with this? And I got such great material I ended up doing, you know, what ended up being the main story, and I got to give real credit to the jocks that I interviewed. They were all extremely candid about it and uh, very forthcoming. Uh, um, I mean, uh, Ramon Dominguez talking to me about he he didn't, obviously didn't mean to, but inadvertently at Keeneland dropped. Um, Gabriel Fayez at, at um, it was the first time he says that, you know, he's threw his cut riders off before. We remember this when he was on Scrappy T and the Fleet Alex and the Preakness. Right. Uh, it was the first time the jock hit the ground, and he was so honest. He said, usually when you impede it and you know, he's, he didn't even know until past the wire when the winner of the race, he had been a second, told him, said, you know, he dropped that guy, and he couldn't believe it. He had no idea, and um, he uh, said, normally when you cut somebody off and you know it, you're thinking, well, I, I hope I've got disqualified. I hope I don't get dazed. He said, it's all about you. He said, but in this case, it was just the horror of what had happened. You go back, you, and as soon as he could get off that horse, he ran over to Saez, and um, he said it was, uh, you know, it's all about, you know, please let him be all right. He said, I never want to feel that way again. I mean, yeah, you know, I, I was there that day. As a matter of fact, I was very close to the incident, and you, you could see the the real look of concern on his face. Luckily, uh, uh, say as bounced back from that pretty good. But uh, yeah, you could you could actually tell he did. As soon as he got off his mount, he was right out there to make sure he was okay. Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned at the top about Pat taking eyes and taking credit. Interesting story to Calvin Burrell, which was a key interview. Now Calvin hadn't been talking about this, so I did take. I got him, and I took a little bit of advantage, probably of the situation. He was going to be working a horse, um, my husband's horse, Strike Impact, for the Kentucky Cup, and he was going to ride the horse. So I told him, I said, well, I need to talk to you for a story. I said, work the horse. It was his last work of the morning. He said, that's fine. And uh, the horse worked. He worked really well. <laughs> so we got to talk. You know, I, think was, I just think he was real comfortable with, with me. You know, he said, you know, I'm not proud of what happened. It shouldn't have happened. He said, but, you know, you can only take it, take it, take it so many times, and, and then, you know, it just bursts loose. Yeah, well, as, as you point out in your story, that had been a pretty rough week for Calvin. He had already gone down in two spills, and now he's coming up to the biggest day of racing. Uh, the last thing he needs is a reputation that, that he's not feeling good. Uh, we kind of saw what would happen to Robbie Alvarado this year. Oh, yeah, really. You know, and I mean, Robbie, I mean, boy, you talk about being in between a rock and a hard place, takes off to... Um, uh, to make sure he's 100% derby day, and then they take him off the horse at Animal Kingdom because he had taken off, and then if it turns out he won a grade one race, that's the image on derby day. Uh, and you can talk about how tough these jocks are. Got yeah. kicked in the face and was back riding. You know, kind of interesting. A horse, one of the days that he, he didn't ride, um, which was the day after he got kicked in the face, was actually strike impact. He won an allowance race that day with, with, uh, Corey Lannery, but, uh, yeah, but, but, you know, and then he got, um, just, I mean, last year, Robbie got hurt a couple times. He, he, a weird, something fractured his heel at the fairgrounds, really weird stuff. And, um, 
and it's just been hard for him to get traction with that, you know, that t- that time off and stuff. Well, listen, I want to get back to your story because there are so many neat elements about it. And one of the things is you know, they, they've kind of developed a, a system. And, and what, what the older writer says is, you know, first of all, w- what you do is you come back and you look at the replay. So you really see right. so what you happened who, out who there. Who was responsible? Because sometimes you think it was somebody and it wasn't who you thought. And that's what they said. Look at that. And then the other thing you do is, if you were wrong, you apologize, and you better mean it. Not just something gratuitous and kind of blowing. <laughs> had a little lamb. I thought that was funny. Yeah, yeah. Christian McClure, he Yeah, he he was he was great. All the guys were really great, and and uh, the guys in the video. I would encourage your listeners to uh, be uh, to listen to that because Scott Utterback, our chief videographer, did an unbelievable job uh, whittling down and hour and 15 minutes to about either 9 or 13, but they, they are really good. Gary Stevens in there, and he's, yeah, you know, I mean, the jockeys would have won this award, you know, it was them with the material that they provided me with. Shame on me if I couldn't come up with a halfway decent story with what they were telling me. Well, they sure were honest. I mean, the fact that at one point they even said, well, you know, first of all, you don't normally see a fight out in public, and when it finally does come down to one, that all the other jockeys actually let them fight for about 30, 30. seconds before anybody goes in to break right. it up, so there's some resolution to it. Yeah, right. And, and like when Gary Stevens told me that, he was one of my first interviews, which was actually last spring before the, I think the day after the San Anita Derby. Because uh, originally we were going to do it for Derby and just couldn't get it done in time. So we ended up doing it for, you know, a year later for Breeders' Cup, which worked fine. But, you know, when he told me that, I said, Dan, you know what? This could be a really good story. And then Migliori, when I told him that about the 30 seconds, he said, yeah. And he, said, what, he compared it to the, the dogs that are wanting to go after each other. And if you, like, pull them back and don't really let them chew on each other well, then they're always wanting to go after each other. But yeah. if you let them, you know chew on each other a little bit, then they figure out a way to get along. He said, that's what it's like, he said, in the dysfunction of the jocks room. Yeah, really. And, and that's, it, it, it's, it's kind of neat to see, okay, you know, just like Doug Profley said, how the heck did they do it? Your story really captures, okay, there are steps to getting through this. Uh, the examination, the apology, should it come to fisticuffs, just enough that everybody gets it out of the system, and then, hey, boys, uh, we got like four minutes to get dressed for the next race. Let's go. Right. And the self-policing that they do, especially with like um, young riders and new riders to a colony, that the older guys kind of take it on themselves that there's somebody, because there's a lot of things they're aware of that the stewards may not, you know, pick up on. And if you're, it's interesting because uh, John Court told me that he, if it got to it, he'd call up the stewards and tell them, you need to be watching this guy because it's everybody's neck literally on the line um funny robbie alvarado said no i'd never call the stewards i just handle it myself <laughs> but, he said it the, but he also said that one thing you don't ever do is has payback out on the track far right. better to have a fight in the jocks room than this say i'm gonna get you on the track when uh you know you got humans and horses whose safety are are at uh risk but you know, you can imagine these people are competitors for uh, not just an individual races, but for business overall, you know, um, for, for horses and for outfits. And, and then they got to go back, like you said, the same jock room. The only thing that's comparable in um, professional sports, I guess, would be like golf and tennis. But unless, you know, somebody hit somebody else over the head with a golf club or a tennis racket, there's not this safety component that's 
very uh, overwhelming. I think the thing that's amazing is you don't see more fights in public. You know, look at look at you know the NBA and baseball, and even with the Chinese team with um, was it Syracuse and you know college the exhibition series and stuff. The well, you, you, right you, you had the Xavier Cincinnati Town shootout. It changed the whole complexion of both team seasons. Yeah, right, and and you you just don't um, you know it's amazing you don't see it more in uh. Right, and, and with the adrenaline, the testosterone and stuff going, it's amazing how these guys, cause they're all very highly competitive and motivated. They wouldn't be where they are if not. And how they can just, you know, I know the things that I get mad about. Is the, I can't imagine it was something that actually impacted my safety or my pocketbook. Yeah, yeah you know? or, or, or your pocketbook. Well, yeah, I, I have seen it where... Uh, I'm lucky enough to be able to be around the game and on many occasions in and around the jacks room where the older riders will take a younger rider. And I've seen some younger riders at River Downs that went on to become very good ones and just say, hey, kid, look, I know you want to win races real bad, but here's how you go about it. And the ones that make it, uh, the Rafael Bayeranos and Johnny McGee mm-hmm. and people like that, are the ones that listen. Yeah, Ben Creed's another good example of a young rider. And all of these guys have, have I know, won awards at, at tracks that are given to not just a leading apprentice, but an up-and-coming rider that listens to his elders. Yeah, I, I you know, I think that, yeah, that's great. And you can imagine, some of these kids are 16, 17, 18-year-olds, they, you know, away from home, they're making money they could never have imagined. And, they, you know, for some of them, it's hard. They think, look, I'm winning all these races. What can you tell me? You know, it'd be easy to be in the mind frame. You know, I know what I'm doing. I know how to do it. I'm winning these races, so who are you to tell me? But you're right, a guy like that, that's how you make it for the long run, though, listening to those guys. It makes you, you know, better, um, you know, you might have some short-term success. But, you know, you're going to have some problems in the long run if you don't, don't listen to them. Yeah, and you know the classy veterans, they're not afraid of that kid really taking his job. They, you know, they, they know they're going to they're gonna make it, but they, they just want to make sure everybody out there is safe and they've still got plenty of years under their belt to make it. That's right, and, and exactly. And it's amazing how much that they do help each other. You know, like Calvin Burrell was telling me, um, there was an apprentice that was riding, you know, riding around Kentucky, and um, he, this guy came to him, and he really didn't speak a lot of English, but through his agent, you know, translating and stuff, he was asking Calvin, you know, like, would you watch me? Can you, you know, tell me if I'm doing things wrong or what I'm doing right? And, and they're not afraid to help, like you said, their competition out to help make their competition better. But again... It's in their best interest too, because if they make them a better rider and a safer rider, then um, you know that could it could lengthen their own career. <laughs> well, uh, all I know is that uh, you, your your career has uh, has been a, a a stellar one, Jenny. Uh, I'm so had to, glad to consider you a, a a friend and and to watch you have the success. I mean. Uh, three Eclipse Awards, or three and change, as we like to say, uh, is, is certainly an, an accomplishment. And the great thing is, is A, yes, the paper gives you the right 
to go out there. There are so fewer and fewer beat writers. But B, and it comes across in your voice and your enthusiasm and your writing, uh, how much you really love and care about the game, even if maybe it means you've got to take a shot at it. Anytime I've seen you take a shot at somebody, it's because you wanted to see something get better in the sport. Well, I like to think that, and that's kind of you to say, so is this where I put in the shameless plug on where people can see the story and the uh, video? Exactly, exactly. This is That was a little delete-up. So get people to read this because it is fantastic. We've got a really easier link that they set up that also has the Rick Bozich and the photos on there, too, and certainly the video. It's career-journal.com, career-journal with a dash or a hyphen in there, .com slash eclipse. Well, and it's so easy even I it. found it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, listen, have a safe trip out there to the Wiltshire while you're rubbing elbows uh, with, with, with all the top people in thoroughbred racing. And I want to thank you again so much, Jenny, for being on winningponies.com. Well, thank you, John, for having me. It's been fun as always. All right, well, it won't be the last time, and I'm sure we'll, our paths will cross soon uh, somewhere in a fine pub in Louisville. And keep Mike Penn in line on your next segment there. <laughs> I will. He's listening right now, so he heard that. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Eclipse Award winning writer Jenny Reese joining us on winningponies.com. We're going to take a quick break here, and then we're going to come back with Mike Penna. We're going to see what he's been up to, and we're going to break down some of the best races across the country. <laughs> Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. What does building a family mean to you? Nobody has experienced the pain and joy of family life in a way that Freddie Scott has. And his experiences in life, in sports, and business can help you create a successful family future. We'll cover many aspects of family building and management with a focus on fatherhood. Men and women want their families to succeed during these tough times. Our show will give you hope for the future and practical tools for a successful family. Tune in to the Freddie Scott Show, tackling the game of life, Mondays at Noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me now is going to be uh, Mike Penna. Uh, 
You've, you've heard him on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Uh, he's one of the good guys in the game. What I love about Mike is he doesn't get a big head just because he's got a microphone in front of him. He's pretty much a, a regular guy. Really seems to enjoy the sport. Uh, first sat down behind a microphone back in 2003 when he's co-hosting the Saturday morning show Equine Forum. And uh, then he established himself uh, with uh, Pete Cools, the Horse Racing Radio Network, uh, a entity that is really taken off. Um, he uh, In early 2011, uh, Mike and his network received an Eclipse Award for uh, coverage of the 2010 Breeders' Cup World Championship. So we just got Eclipse Award winners all over the place uh, right here. Um, you can He's carried on more than 50 affiliate stations and as, as well as uh, Sirius XM. I'd go on and on, but it would take away from us having fun talk about horses right now. Mike Penna, how you doing, my friend? John, I'm doing great, and you're, you're much too kind, but uh, great to be here with you tonight. No, I mean, I mean, I mean everything I say. You know, um, there's there's some people, and that, that, I, I'm not crazy about every talking head in the sport. I'll be honest with you. I think there's some people that that get a little full of themselves because uh, they got some pancake makeup on, or you know, they're they're you know hosting a radio show. And and when I see you, and I do get to see you a lot, at, 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 particularly at Keeneland, uh, you just you look like you're having a good time doing the show. Yeah, you know, and that was really. I mean, when I got into doing the radio, I, you mentioned that I first sat down behind a microphone in 2003, and I can remember the first time I did it, I was, I was just shaking like a leaf, you know? I had no <laughs> broadcasting experience, and, uh, it, but I figured how hard could it be to get on and talk about horse racing? You know, it was something that was a passion of mine, and I grew up loving horse racing. That's why I moved from Massachusetts to Kentucky back in 97, just to get involved with the sport. So, I figured this can't be that hard. So once I got over the jitters and the nerves and realized that nobody could see me anyways, then uh, it made it a lot easier. Uh, well, let, let, let's just rewind a, a little bit. Uh, you grew up in uh, uh, the western part of Massachusetts, uh, not too far from Saratoga. Uh, was that your first exposure to the game? That was. Um, yeah, I actually cut my teeth on racing at Saratoga, which isn't a bad place to cut your teeth on racing. That makes two of us, brother. Yeah, I, I can remember the first time that I went to the races and actually started making bets. It was 1989. It was the Traverse Stakes when Easy Goer won it. And I, I was just, I think I had $2 across the board on Easy Goer, and I might have gotten back, uh, you know, I might have profited maybe $2.10 on the whole bet, but I thought I won the lottery, and I was hooked for life. Well, it, it's easy, and that, that's, that's a tough place to start because uh, it, it's, it's hard to uh, go up from there. But nonetheless, it's a great place to get your uh, enthusiasm. We've talked about this with some of the other uh, guests on the show, um, and I always compare it to, to Oaklawn Park in my experiences, that when, when there's racing in those smaller, shall I say, uh, city venues, uh, it's it's the hot topic. Everybody there is in love with it, and uh, you're just you're enamored by the by the whole game. Being there in person, and then even when the races are over, everybody's still talking about it. Yeah, I was somewhat spoiled, I think, cutting my teeth on on racing at Saratoga because you're right. It's hard to kind of go up from there when you look at the quality of racing that they have there and, and they've had over the you know their their entire uh, existence. And I can't tell you this though. We used to, I can still remember this, we used to, we couldn't afford grandstand seats at that time because that would be, you know, five less dollars that we would have to bet with. Sure. And, uh, yeah. At that time, you know, you didn't want to go squandering the betting money for a seat in the grandstand. So we would get there early 
and we would line up as soon as the gates would open, and we'd take off running to try to get a picnic table at the top of the stretch because those were free, and you could bring your own cooler with all kinds of whatever you'd like in the cooler. And, uh, you know, I just have a good time out there at the top of the stretch. So maybe in that respect, we have kind of come up a little bit because now I'm very fortunate to get to watch a lot of these big races from up above the finish line. So uh, no more fighting for a picnic table at the top of the stretch. No. Well, listen, now, uh, with, the, you know, your creation of the Horse Racing Radio Network, how, how hard was that uh, in the early go? Uh, how did you have the epiphany to start it? Yeah, it was something that it, when I came on board in 2003, I came on board with my, my late partner, Pete Coolis, who was doing a, uh, a talk show here in Lexington on horse racing. We still continue that talk show now. It's called the, the Equine Forum every Saturday morning. Uh, and he was also doing a, a short 20-minute program every morning out at Keeneland. But one other thing he would do is he would go to Turfway Park. That was the one place he would do this. He would drive to Turfway for the Kentucky Cup and for the Spiral Stakes. Twice a year, he would go up and do a one-hour broadcast covering those races, and he would broadcast it back to Lexington, Kentucky, and it didn't have bells and whistles of a, a paddock reporter or anything like that. It was very primitive, but it, it was just to kind of talk about the races, talk about the horses that were in it, and then put the live call race on the radio. So when I came on board, I started co-hosting a couple of those shows with him up at Turfway and really fell in love with that concept of putting racing on radio. And the response that we received was overwhelmingly positive from those broadcasts. So we got the idea that we should try to do this on a, a bigger scale. And we started going to Churchill Downs. That was our next step. And Churchill was very accommodating and let us broadcast some of their races. And then in 2005, ventured up to Arlington Park for the Arlington Million. And that was kind of a milestone for us because it was the first time we had broadcast a race outside of the state of Kentucky. And it just kind of developed and went from there. And once we got the feel for how to do those type of shows and, and uh, the racetracks became more receptive, uh, it just kind of grew from there and just kind of blossomed from there. Well, that's great. I, I hope it's a long, long run and you've got gray hair like me while, you, while you're still behind the microphone. Well, in your travels and you, your observations of racing, you're forced to do some handicap, and I'm going to force you right now. Our listeners on winningponies.com are always looking to cash a ticket. Like I said, between Jay Pribman and I, we didn't hit every race, but we did come up with a $225 try last week. So I'm going to put wow. your feet to the flame here and see what you can come up with. Uh, there's a couple races I think that stand Outs, and there's one race down at Gulfstream that I can't find a winner in with a dart. So uh, let, let's yeah. start. Uh, you know, this is an interesting time of the year. It's 2012. The two-year-olds are now three-year-olds, and we've got the Count Fleet, where a lot of horses are going to stretch out for the first time, going a mile and 70 yards at Aqueduct. Uh, looks to me the horse that rises here, both in, in pedigree, connections, and medication change, is Alpha. Oh, I think so as well. And I mean, you're talking about a horse that's not going to be much of a price from a wagering perspective, four to five on the morning line. But yeah, you're absolutely right, John. I mean, this is a horse that gets Lasix for the very first time, which is, uh, of course, as you well know, an anti-bleeding medication that is used commonly in horse racing. And horses tend to improve when they get that drug for the very first time. And uh, he comes out of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile where he was a very disappointing 11th that day. He went off at 13 to 1. 
uh, was a bit fractious in the gate, really wasn't himself that day, and, and, you know, look, these horses aren't machines, and he didn't show up. But his race prior to that, he ran a tremendous race in the grade one Champagne, where he was second behind Union Rags, who was, nobody was going to beat Union Rags that day. And, of course, Union Rags, we saw him return and come in second in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, so uh, he, he verified that form. But Elvis certainly based on the class, based on his pedigree, being a son of Bernardini. He looks like one to beat. With that being said, I think he very well could be beatable because, you know, so many of these horses and, and connections, you know, this isn't the race that they're pointing for. They they think, I'm sure, Kieran McLaughlin thinks that he has a derby horse on his hands here, and this isn't the one that he's trying to have him fully cranked for. So uh-huh. this looks to me like it's a starting point back for him. So he could be a bit vulnerable, and, and maybe we can look at a couple of the other ones in here at a, a decent price to try to pull off a bit of an upset. Well, that's that's what I want to do. I, I noticed that all the outside horses seem to be closers, and the two rail horses uh, might be ding-donging it up front. Yeah, I, I think so as well. I think that uh, Il Villano, who breaks from the rail, is a, a very interesting horse in here. He's by Pollard's vision. I'm interested to see what he does if he can get to the front in here, but I don't know if he can. There's a lot of other speed, but he does get that cozy rail draw, and he's going to have to answer a question that a lot of these horses in here have to answer uh, uh, on Saturday afternoon is, can he go two turns and get a distance of ground? Because all of his previous races have been in sprint races, so uh, he is a son of Blind Luck, which, or excuse me, Apollo's Vision, who we all know is the sire of Blind Luck, who had right. no problem getting a distance of ground. And Pollard's vision himself had no problem. So I would think from that perspective, he probably could. But you mentioned the other speed. How do I win? Who is another speed horse just to his outside? Gets a class test today, kind of steps up in class. I know that they've been uh, somewhat high on this horse, even though they ran him in maiden claiming competition two starts ago. Uh, He's an interesting horse in here as well. But, again, the pace scenario might not set up for him. Well, it, it should be very interesting. You know, we, we mentioned Alpha and the class. At the top of the show, I read today's Eclipse Award winning nominees for two-year-old champion, and they were uh, Hanson, Union Rags, and Creative Cause were the three horses he ran behind. So that was some pretty good company. Um, that was really good. Let's move on to a race that uh, it was really tough for me to handicap, and of course it's a pretty packed field. Uh, we're going to go down to Gulfstream Park for the Marshawas River. It's a grade three, uh, four-year-olds and up, uh, fillies and mares, mile and a sixteenth. Uh, it's a bulky and talented field. Who floated to the top for Mike Penna? Well, you know, I was actually going to take a shot um, in here and, and try to beat a couple of the horses that I know are going to take some money. And at this early printing of my past performances, I didn't have all the morning lines at this point. As a matter of fact, I don't even know if the morning lines are out. On no, I try to handicap it. without them because I think it's too much. You can't help but be influenced. It, you're right. You're absolutely right. And I think uh, Daveron for trainer Graham Motion is going to be one of the favorites, if not the favorite in here. Uh, this is a seven-year-old mare that returns to the races, having not raced since October here at Keeneland, when she was third behind Never Retreat in the First Lady. Uh, that actually snapped a three-race winning streak for Daveron, and I, I do think that she's going to take a lot of money in here based on that form, but she could be a bit vulnerable. And the horse I was looking at was kind of on the outside here, uh, Tappet's Fly, who will break from post position number 10 for trainer Dale Romans. Going to be a bit of a price in here. Uh, she has very, very good early speed. I think she is the quickest horse in the race, which means she probably gets to the front, and she's run very well here at Gulfstream in the past. She's been on this turf course three times, 
a win in the second. She can handle the distance. You remember she has some class as well. She won the Juvenile Phillies turf back in 2009. So right. she does have a bit of class to her. And if she gets to the front with Javier Castellano aboard, I think that she may, may be able to steal this one. Well, yeah, I, I, I can't take that away from you. The, the horse that kind of drew a little bit of interest to me, if you have a bit of a form reversal after a break, is going to be Speak Easy Gal. She is certainly a horse for the course and loves the distance. Six starts on the Gulfstream turf, four wins in a second, four starts at the mile in the 16th, came home, three victories and a second. So I think Speak Easy Gal uh, it might be a factor in here, too. So that, that's a tough race, a fun betting race. There's going to be plenty of other angles for uh, for our listeners to look at. Again, that was the Marshawas River, the grade three at Gulfstream. Time for us to take a little trip out west with a, a horse that might be uh, a very interesting one to watch. Could be the best bet of the day. Again, distance is the question. Um, I've come up with a term called the killer bees, and that's Rafael Bayerano and Bob Baffert. They're teaming up with Secret Circle. Uh, a horse who we saw in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Sprint win while drifting out to the middle of the track, and I noticed that Baffert's taking the blinkers off. Yeah, and I'm not sure that they can beat Secret Circle in this spot. I, on paper, he looks like the best horse in the race, and, and you know certainly with his pedigree, I don't think that the mile and the two turns is going to bother him even a little bit because he's a son of Edding, Eddington, who's by Unbridled. He's out of a Dixieland band mare. There is no reason, looking, looking at that pedigree, that he shouldn't be able to stretch out and get a mile in this spot here on Saturday. Um, and, and, you know, look, he has the best early speed in the race as well. I guess that might be the biggest question mark is does he go too fast early? But as you said, Bob Baffert takes the blinkers off, which should help him relax and maybe allow Rafael Bejarano to harness some of that speed. I just think it's, it's his race to lose and everybody else is running for second money. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. As Kevin Gomer used to say, the race is for place. Well, let's stay out on the West Coast at, at, at Santa Anita, and we'll go to uh, the San Pasquale. It's a grade two for four and up. Uh, these are boys going a mile and a 16th. Uh, once again, I, th- this looks like it's going to be a fun race to watch as far as a, a return matchup between uh, Trey Barachos and Tweebster. At least that's the way I'm viewing it, Mike. How about you? Exactly the same. Those were the two horses that had check marks for me. Uh, I really wanted to take Trace Barachos in here and say, okay, this is your time. You're going to get this one done here today. But, you know, he's 0 for 7 here at Santa Anita, which yeah. makes him very difficult to take over this course. I Maybe he just doesn't handle that surface very well. Uh, he's going to be out front. He has some, some pretty good early speed. He ran a tremendous race two starts back in the Dirt Mile, where he actually came from far back to be third in the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile, returned to be second in the Native Dancer last time out. So, you know, I could see him running a big race, but that 0 for 7 mark at Santa Anita concerns me. So I'm going to side with Tweeps during here to get the best of them. And you mentioned the killer bees, Bob Baffert, Rafael Bejarano, back together here with Tweebster. He puts blinkers on Tweebster as opposed to taking them off like on Secret Circle. And uh, two for three at Santa Anita, at least two in the money finishes, two seconds from three times out. I think you have to give him a bit of an edge. 
Yeah, obviously Baffert tried a little experience in the native diver because Tweedster always did race with blinkers and decided to take him off and again ran a third behind uh, Kettlecorn and Trace Barachos who they just ran their eyes out in that race. I really enjoyed watching that one. Uh, so we'll see if the blinkers back on uh, doesn't make a, distant, a difference. So those, those are the four horse races we're going to key in on uh, this week on winningponies.com. I've, I've still got a, a couple of minutes left with Mike Penna and uh, one thing is, uh, at uh, this year's Breeders' Cup, I spent the entire day with Mike Penna, and I never even saw him. Uh, it was really great that they gave out a radio that you could put, a little headset that you could put on your ear and, and tune in uh, to Mike and just a, a great set of guests uh, throughout the whole uh, afternoon, uh, giving us insights on, you know, the races coming up, stuff that maybe you couldn't see from where you are in a big crowd. Uh, Horse Racing Radio Network did, did a great job on Breeders' Cup Day. Uh, d- describe to our listeners what it is I'm talking about and what you think the future is. Yeah, well, if people have ever gone to a PGA Tour event or they've been to a, uh, a major college football game, I know University of Michigan uses them quite heavily. They're actually called live sports radios, and they're just on a lanyard, and they kind of clip to your ear. They're not very big. And they're actually a regular FM radio where you could pick up other FM stations as well. But what they do is they do a closed-circuit broadcast for these big events, and you are able at Breeders' Cup to go and to listen to our coverage throughout the entire afternoon. On Breeders' Cup Saturday, we were on the air for more than six hours, and you were able to go ahead and listen to that, hear our analysis of the races. As you mentioned, John, the interviews that we did with different owners and trainers and jockeys, different feature pieces that we put together. And then, uh, of course, hear the live call of every race as well. And I think for big race days, they're invaluable because so many times you go there and you can't, there's so much noise, you can't hear the TV, you can't hear what's going on around you. you can't yeah, it was hear great. The race call, yeah. And I think that there really is uh, a market for that at some of these big race days. So hopefully we can kind of see those in place at some other you know venues like Churchill Downs for the Kentucky Derby or Pimlico for the Preakness or even Belmont for the Belmont Stakes. Well, I think it, it, was, it was fantastic, and I, and I enjoyed it all afternoon. I enjoyed your insights and the entire format that, that you set up on the show. Mike, I want to thank you so much for being on winningponies.com. Uh, Mike Penna from Horse Racing Radio Network. Uh, how do people tune in and hear you? And I know that I just got my email a little while ago about what's coming up on Saturday. Yeah, John, the best way to do it is they can visit our website, horseracingradio.net. We've just redesigned the entire site. All kinds of different features, some blogs from a couple other Eclipse Award winners that work with us that are blogging on there each and every week, and uh, lots of neat features on there that people can go check out at horseracingradio.net. And our upcoming show on Saturday is 8 o'clock Eastern Time. They can listen to it online. All of our shows are streamed online, just like yours, and they can also catch it in Lexington on Hank 96.1 FM. All right, you heard it, ladies and gentlemen, from the Eclipse Award winner himself, Mike Penna. Thanks so much for being on winningponies.com. I truly hope it won't be the last time. John, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Keep up the great work. All right. Well, we keep spreading the word about how great this sport is. As I said earlier in the show, reported three racetracks are saying that business is up. So, folks, the pendulum is swinging back. People are appreciating the sport of kings. And I hope you appreciate the great products that are put out on winningponies.com and the handicappers that we have on to bring you home winners and great insights into the sport of kings with Eclipse Award winners like Mike Penna and, of course, Jenny Reese. Well, that's going to pretty much close out the show for this week. Thanks for listening. Remember, 
Pass it along to a friend. Tell them the show's on podcast in case they missed it. Uh, we want as many regular listeners as possible. So from high atop the grandstand overlooking the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky, I'm John Engelhart. Remember, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.